The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Matt Lindsay and not Charlotte's Web official positions. Hey, it's Tom. Welcome back to the Cannon Boomers podcast. This week, we have Matt Lindsay, Director of Social Responsibility for Charlotte's Web, a CBD company based in Colorado. Listen to this and you'll understand why it's fitting that they have a Director of Social Responsibility because their origin story is about solving a problem. A little girl named Charlotte was seizuring hundreds of times a week and they helped her resolve that and she's happily now a teenager. So we dive deep into that story. We talk also about the fact that Charlotte's Web is certified by the U.S. Hemp Authority, a industry body that I believe is pointing people to the best quality CBD. And I'm glad to feature companies who have been certified and a first ever special discount code for listeners. If you go to Charlotte's Web and put something in your cart, uh, look for the coupon code and enter KBOOM, K-B-O-O-M, and you'll get 15% off on your order. Thanks to the folks at Charlotte's Web for making that possible and enjoy the episode. This is Let's Talk About Weed, the Cannaboomers podcast, CBD, microdosing, and all things related to medical cannabis for baby boomers. From San Diego, here's your host, Thomas J. Hey, welcome back to the Cannaboomers podcast. Tom is here with Matt Lindsay of Charlotte's Web. Hey, Matt. Hey there, Tom. Good to be here, man. How are you doing today? Oh, doing really well. It's beautiful in Colorado. We're getting a, a beautiful streak of classic uh, sunshine and bluebird days and... Um, you know, despite everything happening in the world around us, I'm just grateful to uh, to be alive and to be a part of this industry and to be on this podcast. Thanks for the time. Thanks for uh, giving us a chance to be here with you. You are the director of social responsibility there. That's right. Yeah, it's a, a strange title, but that's what it is right now. <laughs> Tell me about that job. How, what do you do? Well, man, it, it, there's a lot to it. But in essence, being a uh, corporate social responsibility uh you know, heading that department that that's in simple terms, it's managing philanthropy, it's managing some partnerships um, to the business. Um, and it's helping helping keep a, a through line from the mission of the company um, into the corporate activities and how we run the business kind of at multiple, multiple areas. But uh, it's kind of a, a silly kind of maybe oxymoronic kind of term, corporate social responsibility to me. So I'd be interested to hear what you what you thought of that, but that's kind of my role in a nutshell. Um, and we can dig into to more details on it if you'd like. Sure. Well, it's great that there is that position and that you're you're sitting in that seat. But I guess we should back up a little and talk about Charlotte's Web. I know you guys have a great origin story. You were really there in the beginning of the whole CBD industry, and maybe our listeners don't know about that. Could we start there? Oh, absolutely, man. No, you know it's it's such an honor to be part of an industry that is still making history, right? I mean, I've been working with the Stanley brothers since 2012. I knew these fellows for many years before that and had just become friends with one of the brothers, Jesse Stanley back in around 2006 or so. Um, and just stay connected with that family. Um, partially, partially was really, uh, uh, fascinated by who they were based on the way I watched them live. And this is coming from, a a family of, of very super generous people, just some embedded principles into their lives that really resonated with me. But I jumped into the industry with them in 2012 and um, haven't looked back. It's uh, It's been a, a burgeoning and fun uh, ride and scary and frustrating and difficult at, at many turns in the road. 
Um, but when I started in 2012 with these guys, they, they had been in cannabis since 2008 when their oldest brother, Josh, got into cannabis here in Colorado and helped uh, with some legislation, got one of the first dispensaries in the city of Denver opened, and they had a, a focus around uh, reaching out to, to cancer patients and, and people that were suffering, real suffering. And it's kind of ironic because the brothers don't really – they don't really use cannabis. Uh, they never really did uh, when I knew them back in those days. And I think most of them probably use our products now on a daily basis. Uh, but it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a, a plant or, or a substance that really agreed with them. But in 2012, when I jumped in that I jumped in in August of that year in February of that year, that's when Charlotte took her first dose of what we now call Charlotte's web hemp extract. Um, the brothers had connected with her and Paige, and we can get into the deeper parts of that story if, if you'd like. Um, but that was my beginning, was touching the water and seeing that, wow, there's something significant going, significant that's happening in people's lives here with this plant. And I knew it. I knew it from you know just general research and general experience myself uh, being a cannabis user and just staying attuned to research and the things that were happening uh, around me. But I hadn't seen it have such a dramatic and uh, powerful impact like we saw in Charlotte uh, during that time. So when in August, they had already had a few months underneath their belt of watching Charlotte, uh, her life changed. And then tons and tons of more kids started coming into the fold. So um, that was my initial kind of touch through it. And we, we've just been trucking ever since. It's been a nonstop ride. That's awesome. For listeners who aren't familiar, I guess, I think Josh did a TED Talk where he talked about they had a strain that was called Hippie's Disappointment because it mm -hmm. didn't have a lot of THC. And then they discovered that it helped Charlotte. Is it Dravet syndrome that she had? Yeah, she has Dravet syndrome. Yeah, when I met her, she was having, uh, well, she was down to zero seizures when I actually met her. But earlier that year, 2012, she was having three to 400 seizures a week with Dravet syndrome. Oh um, in fact, yeah, when Joel first met Paige um, in 2012, earlier that year, and they just started talking, Joel went over to Paige's house and saw he saw his first grand mal seizure ever uh, in Charlotte, a five-year-old girl at the time. Um, and that in and of itself galvanized something in Joel, this resolve to to find a solution, to find help, and, and at least to say yes to Paige in the audacity of, of her and her family to say, Hey, we are going to try this for our five-year-old daughter. It hadn't, hadn't happened before. Nobody in the state of Colorado, no, there was no children with red cards at that time. In fact, the state um, through the medical marijuana enforcement division and the uh, medical marijuana program uh, that, that, as you might imagine, there was a many delays in getting Charlotte an official red card during that time. So it was a, it was a very, um, very tenuous, very uh, kind of, tricky situation and, and put the brothers and really the industry might imagine it uh, in a risky position. If something didn't really work out with Charlotte, you know, what, what could have that done to the industry at that time? It, it would have been catastrophic if something went wrong with Charlotte. Thankfully, um, as the story goes, we saw immediate success in Charlotte. Um, and to this day, she has not been to back to a hospital for a seizure or, or anything else. In fact, she's been completely off of all pharmaceutical drugs for the last seven years. She's only taking hemp extract at this point. That's amazing. And so she's a teenager by now. 
Yeah, 13 years old, her and her sister, Chase, her twin sister, uh, celebrated their 13th birthday uh, just this last year. And they actually came up to headquarters up in Boulder. Uh, we started the company down in Colorado Springs um, when, when everything kind of kicked off. And uh, Paige's family, Paige, Charlotte, um, and, and the rest of the family lived down in Black Forest, which is just north of Colorado Springs. Uh, anyhow, they came up to Boulder uh, several months back, uh, the end of the summer this last year, and celebrated birthdays and uh, shared cupcakes around the office and started introducing her to people in the company that had, haven't, haven't met her yet. What a happy outcome and, and an incredible mm-hmm. legacy that's going to follow her all her life. What an amazing story. I guess, as you say, it could have gone other ways. Obviously, the, the plant worked and it continues to work for people. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah that's the truth. And, and I was just going to add that it was it was a remarkable statement uh, for the industry this past year when Charlotte was recognized in the Female 50, High Times Female 50 Award. Uh, awards that they gave out this past year to, to recognize the top 50 female um, entrepreneurs and shakers, movers and shakers within the cannabis industry. And Charlotte was uh, right there at the top. In fact, she was the uh, first child to ever uh, grace the cover of the High Times magazine. Um, there's a beautiful picture of Charlotte Figgy there. I mean, I guess you had to hopscotch over clinical trials and all that stuff, but the great thing is it worked. Yeah, yeah, that that is the thing. In the interim, you know, we do need we need the science to catch up uh, as quickly as possible, and I think we're on a great path from what I from hearing and observing within the industry. Uh, but yeah, at that time, there was zero 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 things to lean on. Thankfully, we have thousands of anecdotes to lean on now. But yeah, there's yeah. there there was a gap there at that time. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that the brothers, Stanley brothers, aren't really into cannabis. So I know most of our listeners are up to speed on it, but there's cannabis and there's hemp. That's right. Yeah. And it's a tricky, you know, it's, it's, it's really kind of arbitrary, all, all this talk between cannabis and hemp. And I understand, or, you know, general cannabis, medical marijuana and hemp. Um, and I think it's important for readers to know that these are all the same plants and they just kind of vary in ratios and, and, and those ratios vary based on agricultural practices too, right? And environmental practices and, you know, how much CBD or THC or other compounds are going to be in a given plant. All that, all that is subject to the environment, to the soils, to uh, genetics, et cetera, et cetera. But this arbitrary line of 0.3% THC, if it's greater than 0.3%, then it's uh, considered cannabis or medical marijuana, depending on uh, how, you, how you're phrasing it. And then if it's less than 0.3% THC in the plant before it's harvested, then it's considered hemp. Um, and some countries uh, have a higher threshold than 0.3%. Some countries are up to 1% THC uh, for it to be considered hemp or medical marijuana. It truly is arbitrary. I mean, there's not a scientific basis for saying 0.03%. That's correct. Yeah, I think it's, um, uh, well, I won't speak to it, but it, there, there's some assumptions about why some of these thresholds are are uh, are chosen. Um, and I think a lot of that's just based on uh, toxicity or uh, you know, being intoxicated rather with THC. Right. If you spend some time researching this, we all have different tolerances for, for cannabinoids, right? So you and mm-hmm. I might have a very different effect from the same cultivar. But yeah, to say that 0.03 is the line, again, it, it's an arbitrary distinction, I think. That's true. So one reason I wanted to talk with you guys is I'm focusing on brands that have earned U.S. Hemp Authority certification, which to me is a big deal in lieu of FDA certification. Here's an industry group that is actually 
doing some policing of standards and you guys have earned that badge. Is that a big deal to you? Oh, it's, it's a tremendous, uh, it's a tremendous deal to us. You know, we, from the get go, when, when Charlotte came into our lives, um, the brothers are already keen on quality and safety products. That, that was, that was a given. And I shouldn't say it was a given. It was something that they focused on. It was something that concerned them that they were aware of and they wanted to do excellently in terms of creating products, growing cannabis that was safe and good for the consumers. And, but when Charlotte came into our lives, that elevated and escalated every, everything. It highlighted what we needed to do. In fact, Paige sat Joel down and Jesse down at that time and said, Hey guys, here's, here's what I need. And she was taking basic, basic protocols, um, from, you know, supplements and other things that she had been given Charlotte uh, to help treat her, her situation. Um, and the, the, the protocol she gave Joel was this has to be organic. This has to be tested. Um, these things have, these certain measures have to be within the, the certificate of analysis that I want to see before we give my daughter, uh, any taste of this extract. And we took that, we took Cage's lead and, and those kind of templates, if you, if you could, you could say, on how to make these types of products and what, what we need to do and that she needed to understand the milligrams, you know, of, of every cannabinoid within that, um, that extract. And it had to be done well and in a safe environment, a clean environment. Um, so the brothers assumed that and they, they took on all the responsibility to do it right and to do it thoroughly and to do it in such a way that this little girl's life wouldn't be compromised. Her immune system was already trashed, right? The last thing we wanted to do was exacerbate that and to put her at risk. And so everything we did from the, the time we put the seeds into the soil and the smart pots at that time up in, up in Florissant where our, uh, our, our grow house was um, to the time that it actually went into her feeding tube, every step of the way was monitored, was measured, um, and, and was written down. And that was, that was the spirit in which we started the company when we knew we had to scale. I mean, that's the reason we're in Boulder today for the long story short was we said, where are the best labs in Colorado and where are the smartest minds to run those labs? And, and, and that's all, you know, located close to university up in Boulder where there's a, a ton of pharmaceutical companies and, and otherwise, um, great laboratories for product manufacturers of all types. And so that's what really brought us there. But to get the U.S. Hemp Authority also, you know, that's just the spirit of which we've always gone is to do it right, to take the slow road, to invest our money where it matters. And at that time, it really mattered mostly in our laboratory to make sure that we had the equipment, the place and the people to run it. And, um, you know, U.S. Hemp Authority fits right into that model, fits right into that um, that essence of what a good brand and a smart brand should be doing. And that is um, you know, I guess you could boil it all down. The way I see the U.S. Hemp Authority is an accountability partner, right? They they help leverage transparency and help build trust in the marketplace. And without certifying bodies like the U.S. Hemp Roundtable and the U.S. Hemp Authority and others, um, what's a consumer to do? Right? This is a dietary supplement world, and and there's a lot of a uh, lot of pitfalls just within the uh, dietary supplement industry as a whole, with or without cannabis. Right. And we see a lot of companies rushing into this space. I mean, there are hundreds of brands out there now, but there's a line on your website. And I think it, I may have it wrong, but I think it's something like we started as a mission, not as a company. So the profit motive came later, I'm sure, but you guys started out trying to save this little girl's life. Yeah. It's kind of funny looking back in, in time. Um, in fact, <laughs> 
Paige and Paige and Matt Feige sat Joel down. Um, this was sometime around 2000. When would it have been 2012? And they they were like, in essence, like, dude, you got to make this thing sustainable. If if you don't, if you don't make this sustainable and start, you know, actually charging some money, a little bit of money for this, then well, what are you guys going to do? How are you going to keep your company going? How are you going to um, you know, serve the families that keep coming to you. And that was, that was the aha moment of, Oh, we probably should do a business around this or, or, or at least put some structure around this that we hadn't had before. But it, it took that kind of sitting Joel and the brothers down because, uh, for a lot of us at that time, I think a lot of people still within the company, we lead with our heart first. That's why we brought in the smart people to run our company and, and keep elevating, um, the, the types of, uh, type of business acumen that we bring in, is, is so we know how to grow and scale at the proper at, at a proper rate and with strategic with strategic measures involved. But in those early days, it was it was just a matter of hey, there's a bunch of hurting people here. We have some something of a solution. We have something to offer. Let's get it out there and into their hands. And I got to tell you, when you, when you're holding a child that is seizing or you're you're carrying kids around at your grow and introducing the families to plants or you're walking with a news crew from Ohio that's you know following a family whose child is is devastated by epilepsy or something creator or crazy then those those types of experiences shake you to your core right and 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 a lot of other things in life kind of just fall to the wayside when you're dealing with trauma when you're dealing with somebody that's suffering in a great way you, you narrow your focus down to what matters and not that not that smart business doesn't matter that's that's why Paige and Matt sat Joel down um, but in those days it was a matter of let's help let's help 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 and we you know that 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 waiting list that we had in 2013 at around five six hundred people grew to to over ten thousand people close to fourteen thousand people were on a waiting list for this before we were able to really figure out how we would serve that large group. 14,000 people is a lot of people, but still it's a small window when you think about one condition like Dravet syndrome. But mm -hmm. what we've learned is that the plant has something for, I think, almost everybody. There, there's a lot of conditions for which cannabidiol, CBD can help. No, that's that's what we're seeing. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think you start scratching the surface at some customer data and things that the industry is looking at. Um, yeah, epilepsy and Gervais syndrome, those kinds of things have, have if, if you kind of look at a, at a category list of consumers, the, that is a lot further down than it was when this whole thing first started. Uh, nobody knew. In fact, in, the, in that time, all of us that were helping build the company, 99% um, of us had never even tasted the extract. We never had it. We never, we didn't, it was that precious of a, of a resource for us, uh, for these families that we knew that we, there was not even samples given out, right? Nobody could even touch it. Every last drop was, was given to this community of people. But as time has gone on, yeah, absolutely. We're seeing, we're seeing all sorts of, of, of folks finding, um, value in this in this supplement and and that's uh, that blows my mind and gives me chills every day when I see somebody's life better the quality of life that's better for whatever reason whatever they're facing because of uh, a natural botanical extract right that people have been doing for a long long time in our world well and it's an amazing story and for those like me who want to help evangelize and, and be advocates for it we have to be careful where we step we can't make claims about the medical efficacy of CBD can you talk your way around that in a way that the lawyers will be okay with? 
<laughs> that's a tricky one. Yeah, I'll steer clear. I'll steer pretty far clear from from making any claims. That's for sure. Um, you know, I think one thing that we can look into and, and that we don't have to make any claims on is just is start reading the stories, the hundreds of thousands of stories now globally of of lives impacted and and lives being changed. I think some of those testaments to that, um, where we don't even have to point to a claim, is is seeing you know, seeing large, large groups of, of individuals being sponsored by CBD companies. Uh, and I look to the athletes like that we're seeing in, in our, uh, in our world today, where you've got every P <laughs> it seems like everybody in the PGA is sponsored by a CBD or a hemp company. Uh, you, you look, you know, beyond to the other side of the sports spectrum and see the mixed martial arts community completely embrace these types of things. Whereas like, uh, you know, us hemp, uh, or I'm sorry, the uh, USADA, the the anti-doping U.S. anti-doping agency, has taken cannabis off of their of their list of of substances that you, they even test for. Why? It's because so many athletes have said, "Hey, I use this on a daily basis for X, Y, and Z, and it's helping me, and I'm going to keep using this because now it's a part of my daily regimen." I think I think that's a good analogy to see, like, yeah, from Gervais syndrome to uh, what's you know athletes might be using this for there's a broad spectrum of uses here and and that's a really fascinating thing and now you're seeing uh, companies like Sephora in the cosmetics industry um, go in and, and start making their own just very similar to what other governing bodies uh, and other uh, certifying bodies like the US hemp authority are doing they're going in and saying hey we're going to regulate uh, self-regulate uh, these types of ingredients into the products that consumers are now demanding. So we're we're seeing it on a, on a wide scale, from from heavy situations, traumatic situations to everyday uses. Um, and the reason is because it's actually working. It's working for people. Otherwise, we would have sniffed this out. You know, we're going now almost seven, eight years almost into what we know now is the CBD industry. Obviously back in 2012, it was quite nascent and nobody could even pronounce cannabidiol back in those days. Uh, we still struggle to pronounce these, these, uh, these cannabinoids. Um, and I think a lot of people don't even know what the hell these cannabinoids, what, what is a cannabinoid? I mean, there's a lot to learn here, but from 2012 to today, we've seen a, a massive shift. And I think we're going to continue to see, um, some great uh, responses physio physiologically to to uh, to cannabis in general. We're gonna we're all gonna learn a lot, especially as the scientific uh, community gets uh, deeper and deeper into researching this. Um, and then we're gonna start seeing some, and I think we start seeing some new products come online too. Sure, you know, again, you can't make claims, but I can say that people are taking it for insomnia. People are taking it for anxiety. People are taking it as an anti-inflammatory that can help with pain. My contention has been for all of us, there's someone in our family for whom this medicine could have made a big difference if you go back beyond eight years ago to 10 or 15 years ago, people with serious conditions for whom cannabis and or CBD could have made a big difference. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's that's very true. That, that's I think that's something that Paige and Heather Jackson, Heather Jackson, who started the, uh, the amazing nonprofit called The Realm of Caring. Uh, they're they're the ones that are forwarding some of the the best research, uh, working with institutions like Johns Hopkins and Harvard and SUNY Sullivan and uh, University of Pennsylvania and and other institutions looking at these cannabinoids. But you know you've got these these mothers and fathers who look back at their children and said, hey, uh, why didn't we have a choice? Why didn't we get to choose what we we put into our bodies? And this could have 
um, mitigated brain damage in my daughter or my son, um, as Heather and Paige have, have both publicly stated. And, and I think that's something to consider. That's not just something to consider. It's something to really grapple with. It's really important for society, our culture, um, for legislators and beyond um, to grapple with that concept of what are, what are we holding um, back from from people and giving giving them or not giving them the ability to choose what they put inside their own bodies uh, so long as it's not harmful to society or to others and giving people the right um, to choose which i think cannabis is a basic human right um, and i think a lot of us could could say that and um you know that's 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 kind of a shame to look backwards but thankfully we're 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 on a new a new wave and um for for people of the future this will be um to be uh, under the water under the bridge, thankfully. Right. Well, and do you think that cannabis sets a template for sort of reversing the model of pharmaceutical development where a lab has a patent, there are clinical trials that can take years and years, and then at the end of that, this company holds a single patent and they can charge an astronomical fee for one pill. In the case of CBD, all that got turned on its head and you guys rushed this thing more to a, a person than to the market in order to save a life, many lives. So there was an urgency behind it. And to this day, we still can't claim the medical efficacy of it. But where I started with this question was, do you think that establishes a new template? I know there's people who are pushing psilocybin and other plant-based medicines. Is there a different path to the market now? I think we did set a precedent, you know, and I think it's easy to say that that uh, psilocybin and some of the other plant medicines that are being studied and looked at and considered right now um, in many multiple states in our in our in our nation um, are following that cannabis path for sure. Uh, and I think that's a good thing. It, it does. It does set a, a new tone for for how we as a society embrace what what could be um it does give us i think the, the one of the best things about cannabis is that it is a catalyst for conversation right is catalyst for conversation around healthcare, around politics around beliefs and faith it it's a catalyst for for a number of issues that we all like i said earlier need to grapple with and so is there a new path i, I could I, i'd say probably yeah there there's a there's a new path created and i think you know coming down from the pharmaceutical um you know traditional path this opens up a, a gateway for us to have two streams, right? I think there should, and I think a lot of people within the uh, medical community and cannabis community argue for both. They, we want um, synthetic drugs made uh, that the pharmaceutical companies can work with and, and develop. And, um, and, and I, I fear that a lot of people throw the pharmaceutical industry completely under the bus when we're talking about healthcare. Uh, but let's face it, pharmaceuticals have saved us, right? They've, they've changed the society for the better in, um, in many ways. I think the rub is how do you educate society on how to stay healthy and how to get healthy um, at, before pharmaceuticals are chosen or, or if, if pharmaceuticals could be avoided? And, and they, uh, then what can you choose? What can you look at? What kind of natural remedies are there? And I think cannabis is showing us um, a new way to – look into um, not just plant medicine, but again, to start asking bigger questions around um, around how we do life together. Right. Well, and I've talked with other guests, uh, medical doctors about this, but the nature of it is you tend to 
have to listen closely to your body, which is a good thing when you're talking about your health. In that respect, often it can lead to changes in diet or more exercise. But again, you and I might have an absolutely different response to the same cultivar. So there is a need to listen to your body. And, and maybe the plant gets in between a health practitioner and the patient, and together they work towards better wellness. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine a, a society like that? Absolutely. Where you can go to your doctor and, and get uh, some, some solid nutritional advice, where you can go to your doctor and get some, some, some solid direction on, on natural remedies and functional health. I think that's a, that's a beautiful trend that we're headed towards is just this blending of both um, and, and paying attention. And you're right. Everybody is unique. Everybody's endocannabinoid system is unique. Everybody's body and physiology is unique. So um, it takes intuition and it takes time. And that's what I think we're lacking in a lot of healthcare is just the time given, right? I mean, how many times do you go to your doctor and you get uh, five or three brief minutes with, with the person before they have to rush off into the next room? That's a common story. Um, and I think, uh, you know, that what's, what's beautiful here about cannabis, again, is that we're now seeing the medical community lean in ask questions, make recommendations to their patients, and their minds have been opened up to the possibilities of what these types of supplements could do for their patients. And, and that's, a great, that's a great thing. Well, and you guys are right in the middle of it. So sometimes we talk about these ideal states in the future as if they're a dream. But what do you see in practicality in five years, 10 years? What changes could we possibly see in our healthcare system that are affected by greater acceptance of CBD and, and cannabis? Well, that's a great question. You know, um, I think I think what we're, we're looking at is innovation at, at, at its core. Innovation for what this plant really could be and do, right? If you look at hemp, for example, um, 75,000, 80,000, 100,000 different uses, or, or um, you're looking at the uh, the uses of CBD online. If you just start googling those, people are using it for so many different things. And the the hope that we have is um, as an industry is for science and innovators and manufacturers to come together and start looking at how how do we look at this plant and build products that um, that actually make a difference that are actually good for your body. Um, and that are built well. And I think that's what the next five years we're going to start seeing. Um, we're going to start seeing a consolidation within the industry of, of businesses, um, you know, that just aren't going to be able to make it through the tumultuous waters that we're currently in. The market is, is very tumultuous. And if an uh, organization is not sound and fit to, uh, to, you know, to be able to, to last through such times, then, you know, unfortunately they're not going to make it. And that's, that is a sad situation. I, I hate for any business to, to collapse and, and see people lose money on investments. That's not fun at all. Um, but what I look forward to for our consumers is a, a sense of safety and a network of companies like Charlotte's web that are efficacious and transparent. And that's what the next five years brings to us is through, through the stability of companies that are able to last through these times. Um, and given the fact that we have science coupling um, with this industry right now, uh, we will have research papers coming out in the next few years from places like Johns Hopkins and others. And when I say we, I don't mean Charlotte's Web. I mean uh, the industry where we're looking into and leaning on these research groups to bring some some uh, stability to the confusion to the confusion and to the questions that we have all have together. Um, with that, 
with with some answers and with some strong and innovative companies, we're going to start seeing products in the marketplace. I imagine that are going to be way better than what we're seeing today. Um, maybe 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 some of these products will remain the same. Like I feel our original formula, which is such a strong um, product, it's our our best product. It's the product we founded this company on. Um, products like that might stay the same and and um, in perpetuity for the people that rely on that. But we're going to also start seeing new opportunities, new modalities, new ways to uh, understand these cannabinoids. I think one thing that we we hope for is uh, to have an endocannabinologist at some point, right? And I don't know if that's going to be a doctor, an official title, um, or if you could graduate from medical school, medical school as an endocannabinologist. But I, we envision a place where you can go get uh, get a test and understand the deficiencies or the imbalances or whatever you might call it in your own endocannabinoid system and have some, uh, you know, some, some real uh, strong recommendations based on science from a doctor on how to use some of these things. That's the first time I've heard endocannabinologist and uh, it doesn't roll off the tongue, but it's a great term. <laughs> and I think uh, obviously there's a need for it. You touched on a lot right there. And I, I want to kind of circle around it and say, you know, we know there are, I don't know, there's a hundred or more cannabinoids. There's a hundred or more terpenes. There's this crazy matrix of possibilities, medicinal possibilities, and big companies, big organizations aren't always the best at innovation. I mean, it's crazy too, that we're talking about this plant substance that humans have been interacting with for literally thousands of years. So to think that it's innovative, yeah, we have electron microscopes. Now we can look at the molecules and we can see what's going on and drill in far deeper than we could just 100 years ago. But the possibilities are almost endless, which is pretty exciting. No, yeah, I, I'm eager to see it all all kind of come to fruition and, and again, be a part of that process. And I think for, for you too, Tom, it's, it's really important to cover what is happening today. Uh, like I said, uh, towards the beginning of our conversation, we're all kind of making history together, right? And and that comes with uh, loads, of, in my mind, it comes with loads of responsibility to be a history maker. If you're at the forefront of something like this, then then embracing it with a sense of responsibility and humility is, is paramount uh, for, for society to really understand and learn, right? We, we learn from the past when dealing with things like marijuana, what not to do whether it was uh, the way the, that we talked about it, whether, whether it was the way it was regulated by the federal government um, or the way it was used or the way that people use it. I think there's a new, um, a new availability in, uh, on education, on, on just how to use cannabis in general. And these are all new things to us. We're all brand new to this industry, and the world, as far as we know it, has never had a hemp industry before, right? There's never been a CBD industry until uh, 2012-ish. There's never been um, a cannabis industry like we've seen it today before, um, and and so we have a lot to learn. We have a lot to learn. Well, and that kind of brings us full circle back to where we started with your job description as the social responsibility guy. And, you know, we've talked about this very complex scenario and environment out there. It seems to me some of what you're saying is while it's very complex, it's also simple. You got to do the right thing. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly it. You know, I think here, so here's something interesting that I, I think the consumers of our world today are really, and I, and I consider myself part of that. You are part of that. We're all part of this, you know, consumer body. But what we're all saying for companies today is, hey, get your act together. Show us what. Show us that you're doing it right. Prove it. Show us how you're how you're doing good 
uh, in your world around you? How are you treating your stakeholders in your community? How are you treating your vendors? How are you treating your employees? What's going on inside the depths of your company as a consumer? I want to know that. And the more I know, the more I'm able to vote with my dollar, the more I'm available to buy a product with a sense of trust and confidence in it based on the actions of the company and the actions of their operators, their actions of their directors, uh, the way that the stakeholders in the community look at that company and the kind of comments that you read, the kinds of uh, reviews that you, that you can look into. What is going on in this company? And that's what's really fascinating to me is to see uh, a, whole new, a whole new epoch before us in the sense that you know, 15 years ago, not even that long ago, you couldn't look at, you couldn't really, you didn't really know what was going inside the four walls of the business, right? It, it's only until recently where you've seen companies get exposed to the way that they're doing business and um, seeing the traps that they've set for consumers or seeing what they've done wrong against the environment, how they've treated people, where they're sourcing their products. Uh, where the factories are located and what's going on inside those factories and with the humans that are making the products overseas. I mean, there's so many different scenarios that we've seen. More recently, we've seen um, how corporate culture um, and lack of running a good business can really harm you in a massive way. Like, look at Boeing, look at Wells Fargo, look at WeWork, look at um, Uber, right? There's so many recently in the last year or two where we've seen companies who weren't mindful to the to what mattered most uh, when you're talking about caring for society, your people, the planet around you. Um, when you're not being mindful of those types of things, then what, what it could cost you. Um, and reputational value in our world today matters a great deal. I mean, you mess up once, well, once is enough because there's Twitter and there's Facebook and there's Instagram and there's all these other social media platforms where that gets shouted out over the over the Internet within milliseconds virtually. Right. And the world knows. And so what do you do? You, you stay accountable. You stay you stay in a position where uh, I think I mentioned earlier, too. You've got to you've got to be humble enough. A company has to be humble enough. Um, and of course, that that's exuded and exemplified by the uh, by the operators and directors of that company and the employees of that company. But you got to stay in a position where you're humble enough to make the right choice, the right decision at every step in the road. You know, you look at companies like Patagonia, who a lot of people look at that company as as a premier example of transparency and of doing it right. And and they are in a lot of ways doing it right. And they are transparent, but they're not 100% perfect. And you know what, what are they doing about that? They're being very honest with society about their supply chain and about where they're getting products and how, how the gaps in their own system and how that's impeding them from being their ultimate best. And um, at least they're honest with it. And they can show me as a consumer how they're trying to crack those those nuts, so to speak, of supply chain and sourcing and fair trade and, and some of these bigger concepts. But I think if a company is not trying their hardest and not seeking help and not asking their employees and not asking their consumers or what they could be doing better, then they're, they're losing ground quickly because the future of being a consumer is um, being able to buy a product, whatever that product might be, a car or a CBD tincture or anything 
you're going to be able to understand the kind of company you're getting it from. And then you're going to be able to vote with your dollar much more, um, you know, honestly. And so I'm proud of Charlotte's web to be able to put that forward. And in 2017, we officially made a, a social responsibility division at Charlotte's web. We were always a social responsible company. We were, in fact, our first uh, DBA, our first business name was Stanley Brothers Social Enterprises, which doesn't really come off the tongue very well either. Like endocannabinologists, it's just like, what? What is a Stanley Brothers Social Enterprises? What does that even mean? And business advisors at the time, a good friend, Lynn Keller and others were like, wait, guys, that, that, that doesn't really resonate. What does it even mean? And it's, those are good questions when it comes to marketability of a business. But what that shows is the heartbeat of the Stanley Brothers and the family. They, they knew like, hey, if we're going to build a business around this, then it's going to be a social enterprise. We're going we're gonna to charge the least amount possible for these families. We're going to keep them in mind first. We want to try to get them in a position where they can continually have this and afford it. And so, you know, being a social, socially minded team at that time, we've just continued on that. And for a lot of years, we weren't doing it really well in the sense of, of capturing um, a strategic or a strategy around how to do that well. And that's why in 2017, after giving away millions of dollars, giving away millions of dollars also in product for free, uh, doing a lot of philanthropy, just shooting from the hip, just because uh, Joel Stanley and Jesse and Jared Stanley, that's the way they wanted to do it. Like, hey, that, that person needs some product, send it to them. Uh, this organization needs some help, let's jump in and help them. Um, it, it, at times, even to the detriment of the business and the P&L, and that's where things changed in 2017 when we said, hey, who is managing our philanthropy? Who's, what are we doing with all this stuff we're giving away and money we're giving away? What, how are we doing it? Why are we doing it? What's our focus? What's our mission around it? Um, and that was an aha moment for the board of directors at the time and for the management team at the time and for myself. Well, you gave us a lot to chew on there, but <laughs> you talk about transparency and you talked earlier about innovation and, you know, radical transparency is an innovation that maybe it's time uh, for that to be embraced. And it's like a perfect storm for it because, again, you talk about a, a plant that's ancient in its relationship with people, but now we have new ways to find out, okay, it's got CBG, it's got CBN, it's got all these other things that have applications. And how do we go about bringing that to our customers? You know, I think what you described is a scenario where you're in a partnership with your customers and you want to hear from them and you want to know, does this work? Did we say the right thing? Is this working for you? Radical transparency, I think, is a concept whose time has come in business. Yeah, yeah 100%. And, you know, that's something every business is going to have to grow through individually. And it looks a little bit different inside each business in the context you know, might, might cause a business to do it one way or another. Um, but yes, you're right. I agree with you. Transparency is key. You know, the, there's the blockchain that comes into this and being able to trace the origin of things. Uh, maybe that becomes a part of it down, down the road too. Uh, that would be interesting. I, I, I wouldn't doubt it if it does. Matt, I want to ask you what excites you most about this business? Well, for Charlotte's web, um, we have we have so much going for us, man. We, you know, the the pressure on this industry currently, um, on March 9th, two thousand twenty, is is pretty heavy, right? There's a lot going on in our world today to put pressure against us. But what what we see and what I'm excited about is a continual growth of business. 
so that we can help more people. Our, our mission is to democratize CBD and to get it to the hands for, into the hands of everyone that relies upon it. That's always been our mission. That'll continue to be our mission. Um, we're going to continue to do that with innovative products um, and to refine processes and re refine our strategy and to um, be a resilient enterprise. That's, that's the goal so that we can continue to help people. Um, we, we started off with, um, you know, with, with all heart and now we've coupled heart with mind and strategy with, with a great community of people and a tribe of people within the, within Charlotte's web that all want to do the right thing for society and for our customers. Um, and that excites me because that says to me, the sky is the limit. There are, there is nothing stopping us if we um, stay in lockstep as a team, which we're doing really, really well at Charlotte's Web. We've had our ups and downs, um, as any business does, especially when a business is going through such exponential growth. There's no way around it. Doesn't matter what industry you're in, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. But um, we've we've made it through some really difficult times, and as as you know, Tom. This industry is rife with roadblocks, right? It always has been. And so I think a lot of us are, we're all tough skinned now. I think a lot of people, not just in Charlotte's Web, but in other businesses are, they're tough skinned to the matters at hand, meaning that, hey, yeah, we've, we've been here, done that. We can, we can make it. It's another fight, but here we are. We're, we're battle ready um, and we're, gonna, we're here till the end. And so for Charlotte's Web, I'm excited about the future because we have such a strong team, bright minds, heartfelt individuals, passionate individuals, and we're going to do some great work out in the future. For the industry, um, maybe maybe some of the same stuff. I think we're going to see um, um, consolidation, which is going to be helpful for your consumers. There's over 3,000 CBD companies that popped up out of nowhere. We need to trim that down to and understand which companies are doing it right um, and give consumers um, you know, the hand that they need to make the decisions uh, when it comes to purchasing CBD and hemp products and cannabis products in general and give them the, the help they need to, to know where to get it, how to get it, what the company's about, et cetera. Um, so I'm excited to see the industry evolve in that way. And then I'm excited to see the industry partner with uh, research institutions. I think that's one of the biggest gaps in the industry beyond education. That would be the third thing I would add, but research so that we can understand science and, and what's happening in our bodies and then education to the general consumer. There's a, a massive gap in education out there. People don't understand necessarily what's going on with these products or how it could help them or, um, or, or, or where to get it or which one to buy. Do I buy the one off the you know, the, the shelf at 7-Eleven or do I, do I order one from a company that's you know, online, it, it, how does how does a consumer decide these things? Um, it's a really sad situation for consumers right now with education. So I'm excited to see education come forward um, in a unified way. Hopefully we can do some industry um, community uh, education announcements. Maybe we can we can do uh, some shared initiatives as an industry. And, you know, going back to my role at Charlotte's Web as uh, the head of social responsibility, that is actually one of my 2020 goals is to partner with other hemp and cannabis companies to do good work in Colorado and beyond. Well, that's a long list of things, but it's exciting to have definite work in front of you that's going to make a positive impact as we go forward. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Is there anything we haven't covered that we should? No, this is this has been great. No, I, I feel like if if uh, your listeners can walk away knowing that um, Charlotte's Web is on the right path, both in the way that we're we're building products, but also in the way that we're using our profits for good, 
um, I think that that's that's what I, that's what I was really hoping for is to be able to get that out to consumers and hopefully they understand us a little bit more as a business, um, maybe understand a little bit more of the heartbeat. Um, your your podcast is covering so many great areas of uh, topics within the industry. So thank you for for sussing it out, for bringing this out to uh, so many people that need it. I think when I look at that educational gap, you're you're helping fill that gap. So uh, so thank you so much for your work. Well, thank you. We can find you at charlottesweb.com and I assume on Twitter and Facebook and all the usual places. That's exactly right. Yep. And I do want to mention again that we do have a special discount code for our listeners. That's KBOOM, K-B-O-O-M. Uh, go to charlottesweb.com and include that in your order and you'll get a special discount of 15%. Thanks, Matt, for being here. Really appreciate it. Great show. And thanks for sharing your passion and expertise with all of our listeners. Right on. You're so very welcome. And thanks for the opportunity. You've been listening to Let's Talk About Weed, the Cannaboomers podcast with Thomas J. For more on medicinal cannabis for baby boomers, visit us at cannaboomers.com.